Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We expect tonight that you'll minister to us and encourage us. Lord, there may be a piece to the puzzle missing, but you're going to give it to us tonight that we can see the picture more clear. And we thank you, Father, for the truthfulness of your word. I pray the spirit of wisdom and revelation would come upon this body in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And Father, that you would give unto us that understanding, that wisdom, that revelation to know what is the hope of your calling in us. What is the, the richest measure of our inheritance? And what is the exceeding greatness of your power toward us who believe? We thank you, Father, for the truth of your word. Bring wisdom, bring revelation, bring instruction, bring impartation. And we thank you for it in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Well, I'm, I'm delighted that Mr. and Mrs. Devota are here with us tonight. Yeah. Amen. Sitting on the front row, serving God, married, happy. Praise God. And of course, Jonathan and Elizabeth are here with us, and that's a blessing. Praise God. It was good to have them here. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, if you have your Bibles, let's go ahead and turn to Galatians chapter 1. And uh, I'm just going to do what the Lord said, if that's all right. And if it's not all right, then I'll preach you that message on, on Ruth. It'll get real weird. Galatians chapter 1, verse 11. But I make known to you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. When you hear that phrase, that ought to just ring in your spirit. Wait a minute. 17 years. 17 years the Apostle Paul hid himself according to his own writing by the instruction of the Holy Ghost. 17 years he hid himself from the, the leaders of the body of Christ. He showed himself to Peter for 15 days and then he left again. And for 14 years, he was gone from Jerusalem and didn't come back. That's the word. I mean, it's right there written in Galatians. He was in Arabia for at least, for three years, there's a period of time that he was gone. He heard the instruction of the Lord. He received revelation. And the Spirit of God said, all right, Paul, it's time for you to go up to Jerusalem. So he went, and for 15 days he spent time with Peter. This guy didn't have any idea what the leaders of the church were preaching. He didn't have time to walk with Jesus personally because he was trying to kill the church and learn about the philosophy of tradition and religion. And here by the Holy Ghost, he received this gospel and this message. Verse 12, for I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it, but it came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, but I want to receive the revelation of the man, Jesus. Amen. I want to receive, and we need to receive, the revelation of Jesus Christ, to truly know him fully. Paul said in Philippians chapter 3 that I would know him in the power of his resurrection. Boy, oh boy, really knowing the man Jesus, really allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to us about who this Jesus truly is, not humanity's traditional viewpoint or ideology of who Jesus is, but an unveiling of sorts, an unveiling of the Holy Ghost truly showing us Jesus. The Bible says Jesus, speaking of himself, the Holy Spirit, excuse me, Jesus, speaking of the Holy Spirit, said himself, that is one of the characteristics or job descriptions of the Holy Ghost. He will show you me, reveal me to you. Again, he says, For I neither received it twelve from man, nor was I taught it, but it came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former conduct in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it. 
And I advanced in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries in my own nation, being more exceedingly zealous for the traditions of my father. But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace to reveal his son in me, that I might preach him among the Gentile. King James says that I might preach him among the heathen. That I might preach him among the Gentile. I did not immediately confer with flesh and blood, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those apostles before me, but I went to Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter remained with him 15 days, but I saw none of the other apostles save James, the Lord's brother. Now concerning these things which I write to you, indeed before God I do not lie, he says, after that I went to the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and I was unknown by face to the churches of Judah which were in Christ. But they were hearing only. He who formerly persecuted us now preaches the faith which he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God in me. Look at this next verse. Then after 14 years... I went up again to Jerusalem. You got 17 years of just walking with God, hearing from the Holy Ghost, and preaching what the Holy Ghost had given him. Now, I love the other apostles. I don't exalt one over the other. But history, church history, and Bible history does not bear out any other apostle having Jesus appear to them on the road and revealing himself to them in this manner. Of course, we see him walking through the walls and, and having this first meeting and John, excuse me, doubting Thomas wasn't there. And then he said, I'm going to go ahead and touch you and see. I had someone tell me the other day that they didn't think that Jesus glorified body had piercings in his flesh and nail holes in his hands. I said, well, then why in the world would he tell John to put his hand in his side if there was no piercing there? How many know that not reading the Bible will make you silly? Look at your neighbor and say, he's talking about you. <laughs> Not reading the Bible just make you silly. Are you here? 17 years he's just walking with God. Not hearing tradition. Not, not being with the other apostles and hearing what they're teaching. In fact, and this may freak people out, but they weren't hearing what he was preaching. He wasn't even known by face. But yet they just said, hey man, the one who was trying to kill us is now with us. And they glorified God. Paul the Apostle endeavored in his letters that he had written by the order of the Holy Ghost, by the agent of heaven, he endeavored to reveal three things to the church constantly over and over and over again. And this is the thing I'm like, Lord, you really for real want me to say this to the church. I've already said this before, but I've got to obey the Holy Ghost. So if you're taking notes, point one. He revealed to us what God did for us in Christ through the plan of redemption. Two, he revealed to us what the Holy Spirit through the word can do in us in the new birth. And he revealed to us what happens when we're filled with the Holy Ghost. How many in here are filled with the Holy Did you hear the wind rush? Just curious if you heard it that time. <laughs> Don says it's there. Got a new microphone because I broke the other one because I'm a... Anyway. <sighs> Apparently my face is too heavy to handle the... 
responsibility of care. My face is going on a diet. But anyway, we got some wind noise. We'll have to solve that problem. Or else we'll get a different mic. Who here is filled with the Holy Ghost and isn't ashamed to pray in tongues? Oh, praise God. I, I'm, I'm amongst real Holy Ghost Christians then. Praise God. The third thing that the Apostle Paul wrote to the churches, and he wrote it over and over and over again, is what Jesus is doing for us now, seated at the right hand of the Father. Now, in those three categories, or those three basic sermons that he delivered, there's eight things that's always revealed to us. Now, I, I'm not going to get into this deep in teaching, but he always reveals to us through his writings that man is a spirit we're a spirit. We have a soul, or we possess a soul, and that spirit and soul live in a physical body. That's the first key point that the Apostle Paul received from the Lord and revealed to the church. You can see it in all of his different writings. There's a fragmentation of all this information. The next thing he shows us over and over and over again is because every human being has been born, we are identified with Adam in a sinful nature. Now, I understand that there are people who still to this day, after reading the Bible for 20 or 30 years, don't agree with the word, and that's fine. But if we still have a sinful nature intact, then we're not a new creation and we haven't been born again. And I just don't care what you think about that. You're going to have to take that up with God and the Bible. But I dare not stand in the face of God and say that your redemption was not complete that somehow you left a sinful nature intact in my being. I just don't think I'd do that to God. How about you? So we have an identification with Adam. We, the third thing that he brings to us in his writings is that we have a condition of a sinful nature because of Adam. Then he reveals to us what happened to Jesus from the cross to the throne. If we only look at the Gospels, we see Jesus dying on the cross... And then we see Jesus raised again, but we don't see, we don't understand, we don't comprehend what God was actually doing when Jesus was in hell, what was taking place. We see that in the writings primarily of the Apostle Paul. The fifth thing we see is our identification with Christ, that Jesus went as our substitute. So I gave you three main points. The first thing that we see is our redemptive plan in Jesus Christ, that Jesus came as our substitute. So we see the identification that we have with Christ. Jesus died on the cross, and he died as though we were going to the cross. He died for us. He went in our place. Amen? Amen. Then we see who we are and what we have now. That's the third point, what the Father is doing, what Jesus is doing at the right hand of the Father. We see who we are and what we have now, and then we see what he is doing for us. The seventh point, we're crossing over. We've got eight points over here, three categories over here. And then how we are to grow up in Christ. If you read Ephesians, the Bible talks to you and teaches you. Actually, it's actually been written already by Watchman Nee. He wrote a book called Sit, Walk, Stand. Sit, Stand, Walk. Sit, Stand, Walk. And it shows you exactly what God did for us in Christ. He causes us to be seated with him in heavenly places, to stand in faith, and to stand as a, a new creation, and then to walk out our own salvation, walk out our relationship with him. So this is very possible for us to be able to comprehend in the reading of the Apostle Paul. I want to I turn with you, if you would, over to Colossians, and I want to just go through some scriptures with you tonight. We're not going to be too long. 
But I want to talk about that first point, what God did for us in the great redemptive plan of Jesus Christ and what took place. Colossians chapter 1, and it's important for us that we understand and really get a revelation of these things because I'm telling you, church, the enemy is turning up the attack. And that doesn't mean that he's more powerful. God's people perish for a lack of knowledge. God's people perish for a lack of knowledge. We have to have revelation of what belongs to us and why. And the day this is on the earth now, it's not coming. For generations, the, the church has been saying, there's a day coming where it's going to get dark. Well, sister, it's here. It's dark out. I don't know if you've looked, but it's getting dark spiritually. It's on us. It isn't coming. And deep darkness is going to be upon the people. But praise God, the glory of God is going to rise and shine on us. But we need to, we need to be receiving that that glory of God, receiving that anointing, receiving that impartation, and living like Christians. If we just say, hey, we're saved just like the other religious people, and we don't walk out our salvation and do great exploits because we know our God, then the glory of God is not going to be shining too bright on us. We're going to blend in just like everybody else. I'm preaching all right now. So it's important for us to see these things and to really understand it. Colossians chapter 1 Verse 9, he says, For this reason, since the day we heard of it, do not cease to pray for you, and ask that you would be filled with all the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. I took us all the way up to 9, so that way you can see the Apostle Paul's been praying by the Holy Ghost for you to have these things in your life for a long time. Isn't it time? Isn't it time that we walk in those things? Isn't it time that we receive those things? That's a question. This is called an interrogative. Isn't it time that we grab a hold of that and receive it? Not, not blabbing it and grabbing it, but we're holding fast to that thing in faith and saying, bless God, that belongs to me. I will be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Ten, that you would walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. You know, there's scriptures that, uh, that just fly in the face of some Christians who think, well, you know, I don't need to know everything about God. I don't need to really read the Bible and study it. Well, that works for you if Joshua 1.8 doesn't work for you. In Proverbs 3 and Proverbs 4 and Proverbs 5 and, you know, the Bible... How many know it's God's plan for us to get in the book and to find him, to seek him out and to know him? Amen. Amen. 11, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and long-suffering with joy. This is where we're going. This is the money ball. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. What are we talking about, Pastor? We're talking about the redemptive work of Jesus Christ as our substitute. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. He has, everybody say has, yes. past tense, has delivered us from the power 
of darkness. He has. Everybody say has. Yeah. Look at your neighbor and say he has. Yeah. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the son of his love. The King James Version says translated us. That means to lift from one and to place into another. He lifted us from one and he placed us into another. He's conveyed us like a conveyor belt to lift from one place and to put us in another place. He has already, past tense. Amen? In whom we have our redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. It's absolutely imperative for us to understand this point. Satan's authority over mankind has forever been broken. Period. He has utterly destroyed Satan's authority over humanity. And I'm telling you, if you want to fight that, that's fine, but you're going to keep going through battles and losing. I love you enough to tell you the truth. If you want to fight that theology, fine. But you are selling yourself short, and you are not receiving the birthright that Jesus Christ died to give you. Satan's authority over mankind has been forever broken. Forever broken. Even, even the person tonight who is in darkness and not born again, Satan's power over that individual has forever been broken. It just hasn't become real to that person because they haven't received what God has done for them by faith and then begin to work it. Pastor Dana was saying that we're working, the Lord said it through Pastor Dana, working the word, working the word working the word. Well, this is an important thing. It's an imperative that we must get in our spirit. And it cannot be something that simply just rests in our mental uh, capacities or in our, in our ascent to say, well, I believe that in theory, but it has to be so real on the inside of our spirit that every single time the enemy tries to rise his head up to be able to take something from us, steal from us, kill from us or destroy us, we can say absolutely matter-of-factly, Jesus Christ has forever destroyed your authority over mankind. He has no power. He has no authority. He has no ability other than that which the child of God allows him to operate. God is not in heaven in control of everything. He said, let us make man in our image and let them have dominion. God has given you the ability. He's given me the ability, come on now, to do the things that he's told us to do and called us to do, and the ideology and the theology that says that God is in control does not line up with the word. It doesn't line up with Genesis 127, and it doesn't bear out in the rest of the book. Are you here? God is in control of his word. We are in control of working his word. Well, that's the truth. God is in control of his word. And God is in control of his domain. Where is his domain? Heaven. And he's in control of his kingdom. Where is his kingdom? His kingdom has come. We are working the kingdom of God in this earth. I'm just telling you Bible truth. Maybe this is why the Holy Ghost wanted me to talk about this tonight. 
We have to settle this thing forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. The devil doesn't have any teeth to bite you with. Jesus punched him out. Jesus has destroyed him. He has disarmed him, and he has publicly defeated him. Turn over to Colossians chapter 2. I know a lot of these scriptures are very common to you, very familiar with you, but the Holy Ghost told me to preach it, and he is the one who pays me. He's my boss. Colossians chapter 2, verse 11, In him you are also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. What is the body of sins of the flesh? It's our sinful nature. 12, buried with him in baptism. Was your physical body buried when you were baptized? What was buried then? Your sinful nature. Buried with him in baptism, which you were also raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. And you being dead in the trespasses and uncircumcision of your flesh. Why? Because we had a sinful nature. We were born dead spiritually. And you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh. What is he talking about? Verse 11. By the putting off of the body of sins, the circumcision of Christ. So we were dead in our trespasses and uncircumcision of our flesh. God has caused Jesus to make us alive together with him, having forgiven all trespasses, wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us. It was contrary to us, taking it out of the way, nailing it to the cross, disarmed principalities and power, and made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. Forever. Forever. Look at your neighbor and say, forever. Aren't you happy that you're in the body of Christ? Aren't you happy that he lifted you out of one kingdom and put you into another? Aren't you happy that he drove the sinful nature out of you and it's buried with him in baptism? And now you have the nature of God. You're born again of incorruptible seed. You have had a new birth. Amen. The Bible says we're not the children of darkness. We're children of light. If we're children of darkness, then a sinful nature still lives in us. Or if a sinful nature still lives in us, then we're children of darkness. But we're not sons of disobedience. We once were sons of disobedience, but we are no longer sons and daughters of disobedience. Why? Because we're born again. Are you bored? Do you want me to tell you that story about Ruth? Born again. He translated us out of the kingdom, out of the power of darkness, the authority. That word power means authority. He pulled us out of the authority or the power of Satan and put us into the kingdom of the son of his love. Aren't you glad? Amen. Amen. We're not children of darkness. Translated, we were lifted out, taken from one place and put into another. We have our redemption through his blood. It's important for us to see this and to understand this, and I'm not going to go too much longer. Let me look at my time here. It's important for us to understand this. Every single believer has been delivered from Satan's authority and has been translated into the family in the kingdom of God. It's important for us to understand this, and I know because Calvinism is so strong in America. So people just immediately run to, well, it just must not be God's will. 
But there is not one person in this room that's more born again than anyone else. And there's not one person in this room that's less born again than anyone else. There's not one person in this room that's more delivered than someone else. There's not one person in this room that's more victorious than somebody else. There's not one person in this room that's more healed than someone else, blessed than someone else, prospered than someone else, stronger than somebody else. In the mind and economy of God, he has completed us in Christ. What the issue is and where we see the battles and the struggles and what seems like, hey, we weren't all created equal. But we were all created equal because we were all created after the man, Jesus Christ. What happens is this is an underdevelopment of our faith and understanding and a lack of revelation. And God promised my people will perish for a lack of knowledge. And so someone in this room may seem like they're more saved than somebody else. Or you may look at someone and say, well, you know, Miss Feedy is just more born again than I am. Well, no, Miss Feedy's found the secret of how to live a Christian life. Say amen. Miss Feedy is a Christian. I know this personally. Someone's more blessed than somebody else. Someone's more prospered than somebody else. Someone has more health than somebody else. Somebody has more power than somebody else. Here's a big one. Someone operates more in the gifts of the Spirit and the things of God than somebody else. Got awful quiet in this Holy Ghost Word of Faith church. It's an underdevelopment. It's not God in the Calvinistic idea just saying, well, you know, it's just not God's will that I operate in the things of the Spirit. Well, yes, it is. The Bible says it is. It absolutely is. There's a command given by the Holy Ghost through the Apostle Paul that says, earnestly seek. Earnestly seek. Why? The reason that we seek to excel is for the edification of the church. We're supposed to desire spiritual gifts. We're supposed to, but some of us don't. That doesn't cause you not to go to heaven. That just causes you not to operate in the things that God wants you to operate in. But there's no person in this room more qualified than you to be used by the Holy Ghost. No person in this room who's more qualified than you and you and you and you to be used by the Holy Ghost. Nobody. That is a scapegoat. It's a cop-out, and it's Calvinism. At its core, it is a lie. There's no person in this room that's more positioned than you are to be strengthened and to be healed and to be blessed and to be, to, to be a blessing. No one, not anybody. God isn't looking past you or looking over you because you don't fit his mold or his package or your body isn't the right size or shape or height or color or gender. That is a ridiculous ideology. What are we talking about? We're actually not talking about Calvinism. We're talking about the reality that Jesus Christ has destroyed forever the devil's authority and power over humanity. And if we will grab a hold of that and remove that Calvinistic ideology from us and say, well, you know, I have victory in some areas, but not all, and woe is me. But hold fast to the truth. I said hold fast to the truth, amen? Are you getting anything out of this tonight? I believe that when we read the word, especially when we get this revelation in us that the Apostle Paul brought to the church, by the Holy Ghost, of course, but when we get this revelation on the inside of us, I believe like Mark Hankins said, it makes us want to charge hell with a water pistol. You just get fired up. Man, there ain't nobody in this room more qualified than me to do whatever it is that God wants to do. Why? Because the same Spirit of God that raised Christ from the dead dwells on the inside of me and has the ability to be able to quicken my mortal body. The same Spirit of God that 
raised Christ up from the dead is on the inside of me and on the inside of you. There's no one more qualified. It's just a matter of what you do with your life. It's a matter of what you do with your time with him. What you do with your desire and your passion and pressing in and pressing in and pressing in as the Lord was talking to us tonight until we actually step into the promised land and the provision and the breakthrough that God has for us. There's not a person on this front row or a person in the sound booth more qualified than the next person in here to be able to be used of God. We are sons and daughters of the Most High God, born again of incorruptible seed. He's given us his nature. He's given us an inheritance. He's given us the Spirit of God, the Word of God, and we can go and do whatever it is he's told us to do. Lift your head up and be encouraged tonight. Jesus has forever destroyed the devil. Forever. Forever. Well, I was raised this way or raised that way. I don't have this education or I haven't had these opportunities and I haven't had these benefits. Then get in faith and watch your faith make them for you. I said get in faith, spend time in prayer and watch faith and prayer create those things for you. Stop living in a victim's mentality and start living in a conqueror's mentality. You say, by God, my faith is going to supply for me by Jesus Christ all that I have need of. My God shall supply all of your need according to his riches. It's not contingent upon you. based on his riches, not your portfolio, not your bank account, not your checking account, not your power level, according to his riches and glory, by Christ. Amen. Amen, Pastor, you're preaching good. Oh, thank you so much. That's so nice. I smiled. Your art, Pastor Art was putting my microphone on upstairs, and he says, well, if you don't smile, it isn't going to mess you up. And Dana was like, yeah, he probably won't smile. And then I had to, snuck one in on you. Romans chapter 6, don't turn there, we don't have time. Romans chapter 6 says, sin, that sinful nature, 6.14, shall no longer dominate you. It shall never, no longer lord over you. Satan has no more dominion over the believer than Pharaoh had over the children of Israel when they left Egypt. And when Pharaoh rose up and said, wait a minute, I, I changed my mind. I'm going after him. God drowned them in the sea. Pharaoh was forever destroyed. Once they crossed that Red Sea, the children of Israel were completely free of the bondage of Pharaoh. And Satan has no more authority over you than Pharaoh had over them. You've crossed over. You've been born again. You've come into a new life. You've been born again. Utterly destroyed. J.B. Phillips says that Jesus exposed Satan, shattered, destroyed, defeated, shattered. You can't put him back together. He's destroyed. He doesn't have any ability. He doesn't have any authority. What is our job? Our job is to simply trust that God really meant what he said that Jesus really did what he said he did, and that this word is absolute truth. No matter what I feel, no matter what I see, doesn't matter how I feel, doesn't matter what I see, my faith will always be in his promises to me. Right. Casting out all fear, for his love has set me free. My faith will always be, my hope will always be 
and God's promises to me. We just sang it tonight. We got to let that get out of our head and get into our spirit. And allow that reality, that revelation, like the Apostle Paul, to just drive us to go and preach the gospel and do the work. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Since Satan has no authority or dominion over you, he cannot put any sickness or disease on you. He can't cause you to be broke, busted, or disgusted. It's up to you. I said he can't do anything. His power is broken over you. You really can live this life the way God intended you to. Blessed, healed, delivered, prospered, in peace. Amen. Amen. Protected. Isn't it good to be a Christian? Amen. Amen. It doesn't mean I have to have a million dollars in the bank. It just means every single day from God I receive fresh bread. Every day. He gives me daily bread every day. Every day, every day, every day. I don't have to have tomorrow's bread to sleep tonight. I just received every day the bread of life, God's provision, God's protection, God's deliverance, his power, his word, his spirit. Wayne Meyer said that to Dr. Mize. I don't, I don't have to have tomorrow's bread to go to sleep tonight. It's a powerful statement. Amen. I want to make this last point, and we're going to close. You doing okay? Getting anything out of this? You know, I'm not saying anything to you new, and I'm not saying anything to you that I haven't said already. I already I started the whole entire thing out with that, that this is something that I was like, Lord, why? I want to talk to him about Ruth. <laughs> Still, that was the joke. It's Esther. I don't know if you're getting that, but in case. I want you going, wait a minute. Pastor's full of crap. I don't see that anywhere. Joseph, I'm going to smack that sarcasm right off your face in Jesus' name. <laughs> you know, we think about the new birth, and we, th- we think about being recreated or new, new creations. And, and many times, and we should, it's right to, but many times we think of it in relationship to God. And we should. But there's another side to this truth. See, the purpose for us being recreated was so that Satan couldn't rule us anymore. So you may have issue, may take issue with everything that I've said tonight. And if that's the case, you probably shouldn't go to a word of faith, spirit-filled church. I'm just saying. You're welcome to. I love you. But you may be in the wrong chair. But if you do take issue, just, just, just for fun, if you take issue with everything that I said, which is just a word, then you, you certainly can't take issue with the fact that 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, if any person is in Christ, they are a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. What are old things? A sinful nature has passed away. The reality, listen to this, the reality that I've been a prisoner to Satan has passed away. His power over me passed away. All things have become new. I have, my sins are not atoned for. My sins are remitted. He's washed them away from me, and they're not held to my account. I'm remitted. He remitted our sins. 
Jesus, by the Holy Ghost, stood and spoke to Peter, and Peter stood on the day of Pentecost and began to preach, and then the next day began to preach, and he said, because your sins are remitted, go and be baptized. That's what the word says. They're remitted. They're not atoned for. They're not still there hanging over us. They're washed away. Old things have passed away. My old nature, my sinful nature passed away. Everything has become new. I am no longer dominated and ruled. I'm no longer a, a slave or a prisoner to Satan. I have reckoned myself indeed that I am dead to sin and I am alive to Jesus Christ. That's what Paul told us in his letter to Roman, the Roman church. He said, reckon yourself then to be dead indeed to sin but alive unto God. I reckon myself dead. All, all things have passed away. So Satan, just, just for a history lesson real quick, and I've gone beyond 35 minutes, I apologize. Is this okay? Yes. Satan had authority over what? He had authority over mankind. Why? Because they sinned. Humanity gave up their right to dominate and rule the earth. Right? Gave it to Satan. Satan said to Jesus in Luke's gospel, hey, all authority, all power, all ability has been given to me. He took him up on a high pinnacle and he showed him all the kingdoms of the earth. And he said, all this has been given unto me. And I can give it to whoever I want. He wasn't lying. He was telling the truth. But Satan has the ability to be able to keep in prison those who have not received the sacrificial work of Jesus Christ. He has the ability to still hold in prison, hold in bondage, hold dead into sin those who have not received by faith the sacrificial work of Jesus Christ. But for those of us who have, he's lost his footing. He's lost his position of authority. He's lost his ability. All that bondage, just like the children of Israel, when they left Egypt, they were no longer slaves to Pharaoh. They were free. They didn't look over their shoulder and say, well, you know, I'm over here across the Red Sea and gone into Canaan, but, you know, well, headed to Canaan. But, you know what, I still, I'm just, I left my shackles on. I got to go back over and hang out with Pharaoh and, and, and the Egyptian soldiers that are whipping me and treating me bad. I just go over here for a little bit. I just play over here during the day, but every night I know who I belong to, so I got to go back home. Well, that'd be foolish, wouldn't it? Too many of you didn't answer that question. I said, that would be foolish, wouldn't it? Yeah, that's not biblical. They were free. They were set free. So Satan has lost his footing over you and has lost his footing over me, and we're free forever. So three points that Jesus has done for us, three things that the Apostle Paul is bringing to the body of Christ. One, that main point, that main idea is that Jesus Christ has brought the redemptive plan of God, his Father, as our substitute. Praise God forever. Paul shows us what the Holy Ghost on the inside of us, recreating us, and what the Holy Ghost in filling or indwelling us can do if we'll allow God to move in and through us. And third, lastly, he gives us this picture, he gives us this plan, he gives us this understanding of what happened to Jesus, what he paid for, and what he's doing in heaven. 
Amen. I don't know about you. I hope that you got something out of that. But I'm encouraged just to hear about how Jesus whooped the devil and he did it for you and he did it for me. Our sins have been remitted. We're forgiven of our sin. That sinful nature isn't dominating us anymore. If we'll allow him to, the spirit of God will dominate us and possess us and drive us. If we'll allow him to, it just simply causes or requires our submission or our surrender to him. Amen. Did you get anything out of that tonight? Praise God. Father, thank you for the truth of your word. Lord, I thank you every day. You know this privately. I thank you every day that Calvinism is a lie. You know it because you hear it every day. I thank you that Calvinism is a lie. I am so thankful, so thankful, so thankful that I can know, be filled with the knowledge of your will. I'm so thankful that I can grow in the knowledge of your will. I'm so thankful that I can know your will and I don't have to wonder or guess just because my faith has not been developed or my confession isn't right or my heart isn't right or I try to do it my own way instead of your way. Father, I thank you by the Holy Ghost that you'll seal this thing in us. That we'll once now forever and ever and ever establish and settle the fact Satan is defeated. He is not our master. He does not have power over us. He cannot attack us unless we let down our guard and allow him to come in. Now notice this church, in my prayer, what I just said, I did not say that God allows him to come in. I said that we allow him to come in. If we let down our guard, if we let down our confession, if we lose or let loose of or turn loose our faith, then we allow him entrance. But if he's seeking whom he may devour, we can simply tell him, you may not devour me. The Lord rebuke you. Amen? Amen. Amen. Thank you for it, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.